Stock picking is something that many people want to learn. And for a lot of new guys, if you are not exploring all your big ass names abroad and you only look at Singapore, there's a natural gravity to some of these big companies, right? Like a big banks, SQ, Singtel, Samcom, all these guys that are supposedly household names, huge ass, but not performing very well, huh? So today, I decided to bring on a great friend of mine to talk about some of these business fundamentals of these big name stocks and why are they not performing well. Through this process, we have distilled some core wisdom towards speaking dividend stocks, finding good businesses and not be all excited about growth names and big names. So welcome back. Welcome to another Chill Swift TFC session. In this series, we have to bring on interesting, relevant people to help us learn better from various perspectives. Life is not always about learning from people that you already agree with. Perspectives shape a rounder thinker. So in our pursuit of the life we love or managing our finances, well, our guest for today requires no introduction. He is the investment content lead of Singapore's leading personal finance platform. And if you have not heard of him, I don't know what you've been doing. You must have seen his articles around, so let's Welcome Sudan from Seedley, who by the way also worked for a writer for Monthly Food prior. So enjoy our time together. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You've brought up this point of management. Management, management. There's a lot of discussion on management. And yes. from what I understand, actually management here you know, in Asia or in Singapore is not as impactful as good management in the US, mm. right? So I want to hear, you know, your thoughts about, you know, quote unquote, good management here. Like how impactful, how important is it, you know, having good management in Singapore? I think all companies, uh, it's good to have good management uh, because at the end of the day, they are the visionaries. They have the plan for the company, especially founder-led companies. They know where they want the company to go and they have so much of passion uh, in the business itself. Like they really want to make it grow. So I think management is, is, is important, but, I feel more important is also the business fundamentals. Like, for example, you can have a very good manager in a lousy business, but the business is just going to be lousy all the way, most of the time. Yeah, there are <laughs> of course caveats here and there, but um, in general, yeah. Mm. So, yeah, I think I think management is important, but more important is the business fundamentals as well. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Okay, so then when we talk about business fundamentals, right? If we look back at Singapore, mm. you know, fundamentally. In the STI, right, the banks form the biggest, you know, of essentially the index and the market here. Correct. I think close to 40% yes, of yes. the whole index is the banks, right? So how solid is the banking business here? Okay, I think I think in Singapore, yeah, like you rightly mentioned, uh, banks, the DBS, OCBC and UOB, they make up 40% of the Straits Times Index. Um, and the other 27 companies are just like the the, the rest. So yeah, but but the banks in Singapore they are super strong. Um, they are fundamentally very cap well capitalized, strong, and I think they also learn from the '09 crisis. Even in back in '09, the banks were strong, but now they have learned from the crisis and even uh, become stronger. And I feel the banks in Singapore are fundamentally very strong, and and they won't go um, bust in a sense. Yeah. So 
and the whole Singapore economy relies on the banks. Mm. Okay, yeah. but if even if they don't go bust, right? So we, if we talk about the business fundamentals, right? How do the banks actually operate, like their business, right? Try to help us understand because the banks sound like a very simple business, like yeah. just lending money, but actually it is, you know, multifaceted and pretty complex from the bank, right? So help us yeah. understand a little bit, like how should we evaluate, like whether is the bank, you know, well capitalized or is it is it a good bank to own? Okay, so basically banks make money through um, this thing called the net, net interest income. So which is basically the difference between the interest they charge on loans. For example, let's say you take a housing loan or business commercial loan, um, they charge an interest. And um, the difference between that loan and the interest they give on deposits is how banks make money, the net interest income. And yeah, fundamentally, that, that's how it makes money, all banks. So, But other than that, so net interest income makes up most of their revenue, total income. Uh, other than that, they make money through uh, these um, investments, insurance, selling insurance, a credit card, fees, late, pay, late payment fees, credit card, um, you know, annual fees and stuff like that. So these are other ways that banks make money. Some of the banks also um, like uh, advise companies, corporations, on let's say they want to go public, uh, if they want to um, have an initial public offering, they advise the banks on you know, how to do it, the whole process, and then they cut, take a fees out of it. So, but, but fundamentally, mainly, they make money through uh, lending out loans. Yes. Yeah. That's the biggest bulk of their business, right? Correct. Which is why capitalization is important, right? Yeah. But, but what is capitalization? <laughs> okay, so basically, uh, to, to make sure that the banks are strong uh, businesses, before I go into capitalization, I'll talk about some of the indicators that to look out for. The main, main indicators to look out for is like net interest margin. This is basically similar to uh, operating margin for a, a normal non-banking company. So the net interest margin shows the average interest margin that a bank is earning from its borrowing and lending activities. So um, that's one thing to look out for. So the higher the net interest margin, is, the better it is. But um, for this year, 20, um, last year's results, 2020, um, the net interest margin came down mainly because the US Federal uh, Reserve has been cutting rates you know, to, to boost the economy after the COVID crisis. Yep, so that's one net interest margin. Second is uh, written on equity. So basically this tells... Uh, how effective a bank's management is in maximizing profits from a shareholder's capital. So are we um, same for non-banking companies? It's a very good metric to 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 analyze how strong companies and how well management is um, doing its business, like uh, well, whether it's doing its uh, running its daily operations well. So you asked about management. So to assess management's quality, this is another way to look at it. Look at are we? Mm. Yeah. Um, another ratio is the non-performing loans ratio. Basically, it's a when when a borrower is unable to pay off the loan, um, it adds on to this non-performing loans ratio. So bad debt, uh, right? yeah, bad debt basically. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> the lower the NPL ratio, the better it is. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so capitalization you mentioned. So basically, uh, how strong in in a, in a simply put way, how strong the balance sheet is. Yeah. So uh, does it have um, good enough cash cushion to um, ensure there's no bank run? Right? You no, know, everybody goes withdraw their funds, and then the bank is like you no know, left to. To go bankrupt or something, yeah. So to ensure there's no bank run. So in that sense, I think Singapore banks are very well managed. Um, the, all the three banks and the MES is also coming down hard on the banks as well. Singaporeans know for the banks to give out good dividends. Mm. So last year MES famous, said, yeah, very famous. Like <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. banks. Yeah, I, you want buy bank dividend dividend. Yeah, correct. Right? Yes. Yeah. So like it was one point in time, I think DBS was giving five percent, five percent dividend yield. So it's like almost like a read kind of a dividend distribution yield. So yeah, banks were famous for giving high dis- dividends in Singapore. So because of that, a lot of retirees, um, income investors invested in banks. But last year, because of COVID, MES said that you know we have to cap our dividends 
to 60% of your your previous year's dividends. So your 2020 dividends only can be 60% of 2019's dividends. So that um, that made banks give out lesser dividends because of the cap, yeah, logically. And because of that, the stock prices of the banks actually fell. Mm. Yeah, but investors should realize that these all these banks are actually super strong. They can continue giving the 20, 2019 dividends uh, as, as the full full dividend and even add on some more for 2020 because they are really very strong, well-capitalized. And even MAs has said that this the move by them, right, it's a preemptive um, move since the banks have already have strong balance sheets. Yeah, so the so in a way it's kiasu lah. Just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's yeah. a it's a one off thing, right? Yeah, it's a one off thing. So okay. so it's it's good like, It's good that uh, the regulators are stepping in to you know um, help Singaporeans and help everybody in in the economy as a whole to recover as well and to ride through the crisis. So um, I'm very grateful for that for the Singapore government. I'm I'm not I'm not like promoting government and stuff something like that, but I'm really thankful for what we have gone through in Singapore and like you know our, our government managed to curb the crisis. Um, instantly, like almost instantly, compared to other countries, are still like you know suffering and stuff. Yeah, so um, good good governance is also another um, another thing to look out for as an investor in 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 in, in the country. Yeah, yeah. So but the thing about you know high dividends, right? It's usually yeah. pretty synonymous with low growth. Like yeah. the companies are not growing, that's why they are not reinvesting their capital, and then they just give you a dividend, right? So Correct. that you kind of hang out and stay with them. Yeah. <laughs> right. So how how do you kind of balance this thing then? Yeah. So in general, that what you say is true. When they give off high dividends, uh, it may mean that there's not much growth left. But um, there are companies that are giving high dividends in Singapore and also have got good growth. Um, one example is Micromechanics. Um, they have been giving out good dividends, growing dividends, but their yield is also respectable, around three four percent. Before the run up in share price, it was giving like four percent dividend yield, and it's still growing. With semiconductor market. So Micromechanics is involved in the semiconductor industry. This is still a growing company, but still paying out good dividends. So what, what happens is that it just grows so much, there's so, there's so much of cash the uh, cash coming in that they may not see a need to reinvest into the business so they can return back to shareholders. Um, so in terms of dividend, if you are looking at dividend companies, there's this whole suite of things to um, look at to analyze dividend companies. But but yeah, in general, it may not be always be true. If it's high dividend paying company, um, it may still have growth. So it's just how you are going to pick it out. Yeah. It's it's not easy to pick it up, but, but there are such companies. Like you said, there are some pointers, you know, to evaluating dividend companies, right? Yeah. So how how do we how do we go about doing that? So there are mainly three three criteria to look at. One is the dividend payout ratio. Um, another one is make sure the company has strong balance sheet, more cash than debt, and the third one is to uh, ensure the company is growing basically. Because if you want growing dividends, you have to make sure the company is growing <laughs> in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, so these three things. So I will touch on the last point first. So growing companies, um, growing revenue, profit, and this thing called free cash flow. Um, so ensure the business is strong. So this will make sure that it can grow year after year, um, revenue-wise, profit-wise. Uh, most of them, most of us will know what's revenue and profit. But there's this thing called free cash flow, which is basically um, the cash that um, comes in to the company and after netting off all your expenses to pay off your factory upkeep and all this stuff which is called capital expenditure. So basically it's cash flow from operations 
from your operating activities minus your capital expenditure is what you get is a uh, free cash flow. Mm. So with this free cash flow, what companies can do is basically and these are all one-liners in the FS right financial statement. It's very easy to find them. Yeah, it's so not it's not as complicated as what people think correct, it is correct, right correct, because we're just throwing out all these technical terms. But yeah. actually, if you go and read the financial statements, there's a one-liner that clearly says this right. You yeah. could just pluck the number if yeah, you but, need to. But but yeah, uh, it, it simply can be obtained simply from the. The, the statements but for the free cash flow you have to do some simple maths just yes. a subtraction yes yeah so um yeah just a financial statements 101 how to find the free cash flow is basically go to cash flow statements so there are three cash flow three statements that make up the financial statement so the income statement balance sheet and the cash flow statement so for the free cash flow just go to the cash flow statement and look at this line called net cash from operating activities there's this number then under then just below there'll be like purchase of plant property and equipment yeah, so that's capex, capital expenditure. So the A on top figure minus the bottom figure, you get C, cash flow, free cash flow. Yeah, so... Which yeah. essentially means extra cash, right? Extra, yeah. there's no real use for it for now. Correct, kind correct. of thing. Correct. Yes. It's basically like your, you get your income yeah. as, a, as a salary. You minus employee. everything, there's an extra sitting yeah. around. It's basically your savings. Your like, savings, right? Yeah, okay. correct. In a way. Mm. Yeah, so savings that uh, for individuals are free cash flow for a company. So... With your savings, you can do other things. You can like maybe you no know, splurge on luxury goods. You can uh, it, uh, you can use it to invest in the stock market. So, but but uh, for companies, what they can do is with this free cash flow, they have to decide as well. Just like us, they can what they can do is basically um, one reinvest in their own business, uh, get the money and put it back into their own business. That's one. Two is to pay off debt if they have uh, debt on the balance sheet. You know, pay off the loans and stuff like that. Three. They can uh, buy back their own shares. So they can go to the stock market and tell the stock market, you know, hey, I want to buy back X number of shares. So mm. it will it will improve a, a certain f- few metrics down the road if you do that. Yeah, we won't touch on that. Um, fourth one is basically dividends. They can, what they can do is pay off, pay dividends to shareholders. So what, what this means is, uh, like you mentioned earlier, they may not see the need to reinvest in their own business. They may not have that much growth. So what they can do is, pay dividends to shareholders because shareholders can then decide what to do with the money. Yeah, They can reinvest into other companies or they can... You know, buy more shares. Buy more shares. Of the same like, company. Yeah. What have you not, right? Yeah, correct. Mm. And basically, when you reinvest the uh, dividends, you make the compounding even faster yeah, mm. in the stock mm. market. So look at growing free, free cash flow because that's indicator of um, rising dividends as well. There's, there's, there's a chance to pay higher dividends if there's higher free cash flow. So that's one. Um, so rising revenue, profits, the free cash flow. Two, make sure this company has a strong balance sheet. So what I look like to look out for, ensure the company has more cash than debt on the balance sheet. So uh, inversely, if you have more debt than cash, basically it means like if uh, economic recession comes, you're going to have been in trouble. No bank's going to be hounding on your backs, no pay off our loans, we need the money back and stuff like that. So um, and protect yourself first as, a, as an investor. So protect the downside before looking at the upside. Uh, protect yourself by ensuring the banks have strong uh, balance sheet. This is both in terms of good times or bad times. The, the market can have a bull run for 10 years, but ensure that you invest in strong companies. Yeah, You don't, you don't uh, slack off with your investing just because there's a bull market. Share price surely go up. Lah. I don't need to look at all this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, make sure, always protect yourself as an investor. So I'm a very conservative investor. So these are the things I look out for. Mm. So um, strong balance sheet. Um, so more cash than debt. Even if there's debt, ensure that the debt is not you know, exorbitant and you know, highly leveraged. The, the company is not highly, highly leveraged. So that's two. Three is um, yeah, dividend payout ratio. So basically, it's a, it's a ratio where um, the dividends, you can take the dividends there by the earnings per share. 
Yeah. So dividend per share, yeah, by earnings per share, or um, in a more advanced way, dividend per share, yeah, by free cash flow per share. So that's in a way more accurate. So mathematically, if it's hundred percent, it means that They're whatever out everything. Correct. Yeah. Whatever All earnings. All extra. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Whatever earnings the company is give, getting, is paying out to shareholders. So it's not reinvesting into the business. So these kind of companies, um, are sup- uh, the mature companies, the super mature companies, for example. Um, your your Johnson and Johnson, your fight, your you know, Procter and Gamble in the US, like super mature companies that may not have that much growth. But if you want growing companies at at the same time growing, growing uh, dividends, you must have ensure that the dividend payout ratio is below hundred percent. So what I like to look out for is at least um below eighty percent. So um yeah anything above 80% percent, I wouldn't really want to invest as a dividend company you still want to see that they are putting money into growth to grow yeah. their business or whether acquire other businesses correct okay. yeah so is is it is this a concern when companies start to do parallel acquisition where they start to acquire other businesses to grow instead of growing their own business i think i think it depends on the business itself some companies acquire to grow but some can organically grow like mm. year after year, year after year. But uh, personally, as an investor, I like to look at companies that grow organically, basically within themselves. Don't, don't need to look outside. Because at the end of the day, when you don't have any companies to acquire, then you know, your growth might just stop or falter. Yep. So I like to look at companies that grow within them internally. Yep. There's a strong tailwind in the industry. Um, so they can just keep on growing, growing, growing without acquiring other businesses. But uh, doesn't mean acquisition is not good. If it's done for the right reasons, um, let's say they want to, this company, they want to grow into adjacent businesses that to make it um, a stronger company to to basically diversify their business. I think I think it's okay. Yeah. So it's just it's a case on case by case. Case basis. on case. Very art, right? It's not it's yeah. not that sciencey. Yeah, correct. But okay, but one of your metrics that you talk about is debt, right? As long as the the debt you know compounded on this is not too much, it's yeah. not too crazy, also. Yeah, basically don't uh, don't leverage yourself highly. Leverage leverage yourself to acquire mm-hmm. another company. Um, do small bolt-on acquisitions. They would say um, stuff like that. Yeah, for example, SGX is good. Uh, just recently announced a few acquisitions, um, just to you know expand their reach. Um, for example, they 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 bought a FX company. Uh, I think, Beat FX or something. Yeah. And scientific beta. So these kind of companies, they are just acquiring small acquisitions just to um, entrench themselves even more into the you know into the market. Mm. So I like this kind of small small acquisitions just to, you know, like uh, extra growth to give extra growth and stuff like that. So that's one thing I look out for. Yeah. So but back to the dividend payout ratio. Um, so eighty percent. Why I like to have companies um, look at companies below hundred percent payout ratio is that let's say for example a a recession comes. Um, companies paying out fifty percent of their dividend, um, for example, and having a di- high dividend yield still. Uh, if if a recession comes, if the earnings drop, at least they can still maintain the the the, the dividend and still have mm. have. It's just mats, yeah. Yeah. Even if so, if fifty percent, right? They let's say the earnings drop and then your ratio goes up to eighty percent, they can still maintain the same uh, absolute dividend, just that the ratio will go up. So there's this margin of safety. You know, in engineering, I was from engineering previously, so we always have this margin of safety. Make sure the bridge when you build it, you if you can wait, you can tahan one 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 ton of uh, people wait, right? Don't don't just build it for one ton. Build mm. it in a higher one point five ton or stuff like that. Yeah. So there's this margin of safety built in um in investment. So another way to have margin safety is basically look at strong balance sheet companies. Um, even in like companies that have long runway for growth, is also have in a way is margin of safety as well. 
Mm. Yeah. But but growth is a whole different discussion. Yeah. You know, that's right. <laughs> it's yeah. a very, very complex, different yeah. discussion. We'll we'll do that another time. Yeah. But on, on the topic of like strong companies and good dividend payouts, right? I think there are a lot of famous names here, you know, like big names like SQ, you know, like SPA. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass?" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. H, you know, like Starhub and all these are like household names. People know them and they they come up so often in like retail investors discussion. You know what? You know, when I hear people talk about it, I, I'm a little turned off, okay? But but I want to hear your thoughts because I saw you wrote an article, you know, about some of these big names that are like household names, but they're actually fundamentally not that strong other than their, their brand stickiness. Yep, yep. So yeah, I, I wrote an article on this, um, five companies I would avoid um, in 2021. So... Yeah, these companies are like Capo, Singtel. I think stuff. you avoid more than 2021. Like, avoid, avoid them a lot longer. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> avoid them all the way, like, in a sense. Yeah, avoid them all the way, uh, these five companies. But I made a mistake with Semcorp Industries. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was back many years ago. I wrote about it as well in the lessons. Yeah, so so these are the companies I would avoid investing in basically because, um, uh, yeah, there's, there's a famous saying in the market saying that you no know, all these companies won't die. It's like, you know, government, yeah, government yeah, back, yeah. stomachic back and stuff like that. But but okay, they won't die, but they won't thrive either. You know, they won't grow either, in, in, in my opinion. So there's always this opportunity cost. So let's say there's two companies, company A, company B. Company B is like um, Amazon, Zoom, uh, the DocuSigns of the world. Company A is like, for example, um, faltering companies that can't really grow. Uh, which one would they put their money into? Company A may not die, but company... A may not grow either. Your comp- your money will just be like, you know, you put in $1,000, your $1,000, 10 years later, will still be $1,000. But compared to th- uh, company B, you put in $1,000, 10 years later, your $1,000 might be tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. It just compounds, grows and grows and grows. So there's this opportunity cost involved. So in the short term, you may not see it. Long term, if you have like five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 60 years to retirement, um, it's really a huge game changer. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. So I avoid these companies. Um, um, by all means, they are like they brought Singapore to where it, it is. Like mm. you know, your Capital Corp mm. and Semcorp, um, your SIA, um, stuff like that. You know, it put Singapore on the, on the world map. You no know, SIA. When you, whenever you say SIA, people know it for this for its brand, for its customer service and stuff like that. But as an investment, um, I wouldn't really put my money into these kind of companies. Mm. Yeah. I would rather put it into strong companies that can grow. Mm. Yeah, so so let's be a bit more case specific. Like, why not SIA? 
Okay. Uh, SY is super popular. Everybody tell me, won't die one government back, you know? Yeah. Bah, 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 yes. Correct. Yeah. So <laughs> SIA is another yeah, uh, good example. So I wrote an analysis of SIA, I think back in last year, March, I think the first analysis. So that article really um, did very well because it was a, like a bear case against SIA. Like why I wouldn't invest as an investor. It's my own perspective. Yeah. So what I wrote there is basically um, SIA is operating in a very price sensitive industry. Um, as a traveler for myself, I wouldn't. Uh, whenever I want to travel, I go you know go and do sky scanner, scanner, search all the cheap tickets, right, like Jetstar, Asia, and stuff like that, and, and go for the cheapest ticket. You know, we are all budget conscious, especially when you want to just go to Bali. You wouldn't want to take SIA, you know, pay like a few hundred dollars more uh, just for the comfort, uh, you know, extra. Uh, good morning, sir. You know, we don't want to pay extra <laughs> for that. So I, I I don't mind not having I don't mind not having that. Like I don't mind not having entertainment. I don't mind not having. Uh, the food within for the uh, next one two hours. Um, even if I want food, I just pay five dollars extra and stuff like that. So, um, we being very price co- uh, conscious, especially um, individuals like me, I want to get the cheapest ticket basically. Yeah, so I I go for jet stars, ages and stuff like that. So, um, the industry itself is very price competitive. Yeah, there's so many airlines, um, vying for the consumer dollar. So yeah, I think I think Richard Branson has this quote. Uh, famous quote where he says, "You want to be a millionaire, be a billionaire, and start an airline." Yeah, so it's it's known to be a, a, a competitive <laughs> industry. Yeah, so so in the sense, uh, economics wise, it doesn't make sense to me to invest in it. And uh, if you look at it further deeper, for SIA especially because it it wants to be world class, top class. Um, it wants its planes to be um, new because if if your planes are new. You need less maintenance, lesser maintenance. I was from the aerospace industry, so I kind of understand this industry a bit uh, more. So if your planes are uh, newer, you need lesser maintenance um, and stuff like that. You, the planes won't um, won't spoil as fast. Yeah. So so the average fleet uh, age um, age for SI is around five to six years. So that means every five to six years they need to pump money to buy new planes, and planes don't cost you no know, millions of dollars. They cost like billions of dollars. Yeah, so uh, so when I, I mentioned CAPEX earlier, so what SIA does is basically using uses money, uh, uses CAPEX to buy new airlines. So so theoretically, they can't uh, reinvest in their own business they, because the cash is tied up to buy airlines. And every five, six years, they have to do uh, this uh, upkeep, this maintenance, this, you know, these purchases. They can't reinvest in their own business and... And and there's so basically there's not much growth left. Yeah. So that's that's another thing. Um uh and another aspect is also there's a lot of debt in my opinion. Mm. It's is that's a strong balance sheet. So yes, um if I if I'm my memory doesn't fail me, it's like eighty percent debt to equity ratio. It's, it's quite high in my opinion. Yeah. So yeah. Another, but they but they have built this um integration of hardware, right? Where they fly SQ. And then five to seven years later, it goes to Silk Air, uh-huh. and then after that, it goes to Scoot, right? So yeah. they have like a brand integration there. Correct. You know, like, do you think that is an advantage in in their space? Um, it could be as an advantage as a group for SIA itself to compete against other airlines, um, but basically on a group level, it's still the whole investment thing doesn't make sense to me. Mm. Yeah, mm. it may be good for them to. No, compete with the other you know, Qantas or the Emirates and stuff like that. But as an investment, it's still like still back to the economics. Mm. Do yeah. you hold any airlines to begin with? Uh, no, I don't. Okay, so generally you are not pro this sector because of the competitiveness in the margins and the high capex. I'm actually involved space. in this sector through sets. 
Yeah. Uh, yes, I like that company. Yeah. Says, share with us more. Yes, share yeah, with us so, more about sets. Yeah, so airline, so in the aerospace industry, there are different, different value chain. I would, um, if you put it that way. So there's, there's airlines, there's the maintenance arm. Um, in Singapore, is the listed one is SI Engineering and ST Engineering through its ST Aerospace arm. Then the third one is um, these services business, like for example, sets. So they, they do ground handling for passengers, for the airlines, um, basically load up your baggage and you know, do security checks. Um, they also have the food arm where they provide food for the airlines and not only airlines, they're also in non-aviation businesses. So for example, in China, they serve the fast service uh, food restaurants and stuff like that. So with COVID, actually the non-aviation business kind of picked up, I mean, did well in a, in, in a sense compared to the aviation business. Um, and also since they have the car- cargo business as well, this uh, now the vaccine drive is also ha- helping them to you know, cushion the business. So I think SETS as a whole um, is a, in a much better place than uh, a pure airline itself. Yeah, Even though, even though SIA is, uh, is, SETS, uh, SIA is a major customer of SETS, um, I, I feel the aviation industry will pick up. We won't know when. It, it will pick up. You know, people want to travel like, you know, there's always this pent up demand, especially mm. for Singaporeans. We love travel, love traveling. We love to travel. Yep. So um, the aviation industry will pick up just that the thing is when. So in the investment space, we, if we are convinced about the business, we have to uh, hold on to the investments and maybe even reinvest more money into the company, yeah, into you no know, by, by buying stocks. So I, I feel I feel SETS is a strong company. Uh, when the recovery comes, it has this all these non-aviation services that is is doing and revenue that's uh, now coming in ready. And when the whole economy picks up, there'll be more businesses coming in from non-aviation side as well. So all this will come together and help the company. And it has a strong balance sheet as well, so it helps. Yeah, so it helps to tide through this you know this storm for them. Yeah, for sure. Like yep. I think sets is a way better. Way yeah. better buy than SIA. Okay, but we're not recommending, right? Yeah. Education, entertainment purposes yeah, only. Yeah. Just <laughs> so, my own experience. Yes, yeah. own experience, right? Go and read on the company. I think it's a pretty interesting company. Yeah, but yeah. if we go into this other big vertical of telecoms, right? Mm-hmm. Like in the space of telecommunications, you know, you also wrote about like why you want to own Starhub. Yeah. Right? And um, I'm, I'm just kind of curious, like why do you not look at, you know, the telcos as a, as a big business? Okay, for, so Telcos, uh, Singtel, Starhub, and previously M1 was listed. Now it's unlisted, um, privatized. Um, previously, before, I think I think many years ago, it was like very strong dividend companies. I think like maybe in 2011, 2012. Mm. Or, or Margins are very high in this business yeah. in the past. Right? Correct, correct, in the past. Because we all know like what happened right to the industry. So yes, basically, yes. in the Circus past... Circus Life, you mean? Circus, yeah, Circus Life Circus versus Life. Big Telco, right? Yeah. The, the ad. <laughs> Correct, correct. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so I still remember. I think, I think many years ago, many many years ago, so when Starbucks was launched, they had this uh, airship in the in the in the sky. I think during NDP, one of the years, they had this advertisement on the. On <laughs> really? Okay, so basically, I don't remember. Yeah, so basically, they launched an airship to advertise their services. I think when they started off, so during NDP, it was just floating around on top. I think National Stadium or Padang or somewhere. Uh, that year, so somewhere, la, somewhere. Yeah, so you can see this this airship. So um, so those times people were locked into telcos, right? For example, when you buy a phone, you have this oh, two-year yes. contract. Yes. And and you only can go to M1, Singtel or Starhub. You can't, yes. there wasn't Circles Live, there wasn't like in you know, the TPG, Giga and stuff like that. Yep. So those days were, I think it's gone. Mm. Yeah. Now there's so much of competition. Uh, and ever since Netflix came into the world, 
I mean, in, into people's minds. I think it's, it's another game changer for them. So they had this um, this SIM card business, I mean, this phone line business, and they also had this, uh, this pay TV business, for example, Starhub. So, but when Netflix came in, you actually can see when you go back to the... I actually pulled out all the numbers for, for Modly Fool previously. You actually can see when Netflix entered the space in Singapore, um, Starhub's pay TV average revenue per user actually dropped. You really can see the drop. Yep, year after year after year. Yeah. So, and, 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 and I think Starhub was very slow to the mm. game. They, I think they, they felt that Netflix wouldn't be a challenge to them. And then they were slow to move in and stuff. But then it, now we know, you know Netflix is like dominant. Even Singtel is, is, is affected. Star is affected. And now there's Disney Plus. So yeah, so I think it's just just the, how it is now. So the days of Starhub, Singtel being a good dividend payer, especially Starhub, a lot of people own it for the dividends. It's, I think it's over. And I also did analysis showing that, uh, I talked about free cash flow, the dividend payout ratio. Um, you actually can see, you could see it coming, dividend cuts were coming. Because when you analyze the numbers, you can see it's unsustainable, the dividends. Yeah, so I also wrote about all this stuff uh, for Modlyful, even for Sidley as well. So if we would just do a bit of more homework, more research, just plug in numbers here and there, and you can see it coming as well. Yep, so yeah, we just have to do the research, not just listen to people talking about it, your friends or yeah, yeah the media. Just yeah. do your own research, due diligence and... Yep, and the dividend research business is not that difficult. Correct. correct. Right? Compared to the growth... You yeah. know, plot the charts, plot the possibilities, you know, that, that's a lot more complicated. Correct. You know, like I think um, like like you've broke down, right? The dividend understanding, it's, it's not that, um, it's a, a lot simpler relatively, correct. right? So then yeah. if we bring everything together, right, to look at the Singapore markets, do you think people should, like young people trying to invest or people that have some money, should they be vested here or should we look abroad? Personally, I would say I will. I, I personally have invested in Singapore. I still have investments in Singapore. I I use my CPF, my my funds to invest in the ETF, STI ETF. Mm. Um, I still believe Singapore will will like will grow, but may not be in the like you know in the stage of S and P five hundred or Nasdaq. But Singapore will still grow. The banks will still grow, making up forty percent of the index. Um, even though they're like you know laggards like you know Singtel and stuff like that. But I think generally the Singapore economy will do well. I mean, the market will do well. And and the STI ETF is known for, because the banks are paying good dividends. And the ETF also, um, because of the how it's made up, it also gives uh, all right dividends yield-wise. So I'm okay to just park some money in in, in, in my CPF, in STI ETF. But uh, mostly of my cash cash portfolio is, is in uh, the US. So... Yeah, it just depends on where you want. If you are a retiree, if you want dividends, I think Singapore is a great place. But if you're young, um, like you mentioned, if, um, if if you're young, you want to have more growth, I think you can look into the US, um, China market, Hong Kong market. There's so much more growth just by the size of the businesses listed mm. there and courses here. So much more exciting, right, over yeah. there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's cool. Thanks for thanks for sharing. I think I think we we learned a lot of good juice today. Thank, thank you, you, thank you, Reggie. Thank, thank you. you for having me. Awesome. Hey, 
week. I hope you learned something useful today and truly appreciate that you took time off to better your life with the financial coconut. Knowledge is that much more powerful and interesting when shared, debated and discussed. Join our community telegram group, follow us on our social, sign up for our weekly newsletter. Everything is in the description below. And if you love us, will help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. Also, if you have some interesting thoughts to share or know someone that you want to hear more from, reach out to us through hello at thepotentialcoconut.com. With that, have a great day ahead. Stay tuned next week and always remember, personal finance can be chill, clear and sustainable for all. Okay, so... I'm just going to ask you three questions that we ask everybody. Okay. Okay. And uh, the first question is, uh, what is one of your core life principles that you hold close to? I would say uh, be grateful for things in life. And because I think every single person in, 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 in the world has played a small part uh, directly or indirectly in your well-being. Yeah. So you, we may not know it, but, but the world is keeping us alive. <laughs> yeah, basically. So just be grateful for life. Um, be grateful for what you are and just every day you can just say thank you to certain things that you do uh, that, that you have done for the day you know? mm-hmm. yeah so yeah I, I think gratefulness gratitude is, is a very very um, important thing yeah cool awesome so then what is a personal finance advice that you feel needs to be more propagated I think I think financial knowledge um, investing knowledge I would say a lot of people think that investing is only for the elites for the, you know, the fund managers or you know, the portfolio managers, the black rocks of the world, Goldman Sachs of the world. Actually, it's no. Like, everybody needs to learn to invest because basically if you put money in your bank, leave money in the bank, now it's even lower interest rate, you know, less than um, 1%. And it will never ever go to like, you know, above what the stock market will give you. Yep, so everybody has to invest just to beat the inflation monster. Yeah, because if you put the money in the bank, it's just like basically putting your money in the Kongguan thing biscuits. No difference. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no difference. Do people still eat Kongguan thing biscuits? <laughs> no, but I still eat. I still eat the sky biscuits. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's still nice. But but it doesn't come in the thin biscuits mm, uh, form mm, anymore. But it's mm. in the packet form. But but it's the sim- similar similar uh, understanding. Putting money in the bank maybe it gives you like for every thousand dollars it gives you like a few cents or a few dollars but um, yeah but you have to invest in, in the stock market even if you don't know how to read companies financial statements even if you don't know how to like look at pick individual stocks you can still invest through uh, ETFs through robo-advisors uh, all these businesses are doing great great jobs um, great job to propagate investments so even at Seedly we have a reviews platform for people to make the decisions on which um, for example, broker is the best. Which broker advisor is the best? So they can just go on to CD and find find more information on this as well. Nice, yeah. cool stuff. Stay invested, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And the last question is: Which part of your life are you giving extra focus now? Uh, I would say my family. Yep. So now I have a son. Um, so oh, so cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. So, yeah, just family now. Uh, yeah, I think I think I've, fatherhood changed my perspective about about life as well. Just being grateful. I think bringing a child to the world is a miracle in itself. Like, you know, just, like, I'm, I, I tend to think a lot. So, but, but when it comes to, when, when, it, when I think about childbirth um, or even um, conceiving a child and stuff, even without our, our input, our thoughts, there's the gestation period going on for nine months. You can't fasten it. You can't slow it down. It just happens as, as and when, the nature's way. Um, so, looking at that, that's totally changed my mind. Like, 
I can't describe in words. You just have to feel, go through it to know. Yeah, I think I think a lot of fathers will understand. Mothers will understand what I'm trying to say. Yeah, but but childbirth is a like it's, it's a whole new gave me a whole new perspective that I haven't. I wouldn't imagine. Like I didn't know how I came into this world, <laughs> but through a child, I could see how like I came into this world. How I you know how I was was brought up. How my name was given. Even even giving a name, I felt at that point in time is a label. I'm labeled as student. Just like, this is a mic, there's a table, there's a chair. So they were all going around the labels. But, and these labels are creating so much of ego, so much of tension. You know, it's you against me, that against this. So yeah, I just feel, just, just it's a total life changer for me. Yeah, childbirth. Nice, yeah. nice. One day I'll get through that. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Thank, thank, you, thank you so thank much. You, awesome.